Good morning, afternoon, everyone. Uh, welcome to the True Potential Do More With Your Money podcast. Uh, we're on episode 56. Um, we'll do the usual like and subscribe um, if you if you like listening to us. Uh, we're joined by a, a star um, panel today. We've got uh, Mr. Chris Leyland, Steve Hutton, and we've got one of our advisors, Lorraine Hunt. Welcome, Lorraine. Hi. And Lorraine, we'll um, we'll start with you because your first first podcast. Um, Tell us how you got into financial service and tell us a little bit about yourself um, and we'll we'll take it from there. Okay, thanks, Jamie. Um, well, I, I worked with HSBC um, for many years and I got involved in financial advice in 95, quite a while back now, over 25 years. And um, I, I was started at various roles and eventually um, the last 10 years, I, I carried out roles as a private client manager and, a, and then later a commercial IFA. So I worked a lot with commercial clients and business owners. Um, I then qualified as a chartered advisor in 2013 and um, associate with Chartered Insurance Institute. And, and then I left HSBC Group to, draw, to join True Potential. Fantastic. I think there's a, there's a couple of points there, Will. We'll maybe ask some questions about your commercial background um, later on, but I, I must say I was going to I was going to talk about this at the end, but I think it's very very interesting. I think Steve, you will like this. Um, speaking to Lorraine yesterday about the a podcast, um, I say I, I think this should be class. But Lorraine used to play professional football and has 15 England caps. Well, well, I am right there, Lorraine. Is that and and is there an FA Cup medal in there? Oh, yeah, a few FA Cup medals, but a little bit of a correction there, Jamie. I'd, I'd never played professional, because ah. when, when I played, it was strictly amateur. Right. You know, you, the best you got was you got expenses, and we did get some uh, corporate sponsors, but we weren't affiliated with the men's teams back then. We had our own football association, so it, it was amateur. Yeah, interesting, but uh, very impressive having some England caps, though. Steve, you never got that far, did you? Well, I got schoolboy caps, Jamie, if you don't mind, but uh, <laughs> I never went beyond that, I'm afraid. Uh, what position did you play, Lorraine? I was a defender, so right. I, I mainly centre-half and sometimes right-back, left-back. Well, I played all across the back four, really. I was, uh, I was at what you, you, you will remember, but I was inside right. Um, oh. So defenders, and I never talked to them, all the keepers, Lorraine. <laughs> I, I didn't want anything to do with them. Tongues on my hair and things, and you know, I was, you know, I wore very short shorts, and uh, <laughs> I thought it was beautiful. <laughs> you were, Steve. You were. <laughs> Fantastic. I thought that was, I thought that was really interesting. Actually, Lorraine telling me yesterday, um, just the FA Cup medals and the England caps, amazing. Um, right, we'll get back to the uh, podcast. Uh, so today we're going to be talking about um, all about financial planning um, and the importance of, of planning for future, but also planning of your current circumstances at that point. But we'll we'll start off with the usual uh, market update, Mr. Leyland. If you could tell us what's happened with the the markets this week. Yeah, absolutely. Cheers, Jamie, and hello, everyone. Um, so just looking at what's happened within equity markets, um, you see Japan's been really strong. So it was up 2% this week. Um, you've got Japanese economic data coming through much stronger than expected. So the Japanese economy grew at an annual rate of 12.7% from October to December. And that marks the second straight quarter of growth. So for me, that really illustrates the recovery that Japan is experiencing coming out of the pandemic. And in some ways, that's a bit of a theme. 
know, if we move on to the UK, the UK has actually posted positive returns. And what you've seen is, is quite a lot of company results come through this week. And I think the most interesting ones for me are probably the miners. So you had Glencore, BHP Billiton, Rio Tinto all reporting and all benefiting from the incredible uplift since March last year in the iron ore price. So you've seen continued demand from Chinese steel plants. But what's most interesting is actually they're now paying dividends. So the companies are confident enough in the environment that they're now returning cash to shareholders, which, which is actually a really big thing. We look at the US, um, maybe a little bit more of a mixed bag. You've seen the S&P outperform the NASDAQ. Uh, what does that mean in layman's terms? What it means is that you've seen a broadening out of leadership from the US tech stocks that did so well in 2020. Um, and I think, you know, if you look year to date, you know, equity markets have been strong. You've got global equities up probably 3% year to date, which is a fantastic result in what, six, seven weeks. And I thought about this and I thought, well, you know, what is really driving investors to be so positive right now? And you've got a few things in there. You've got the continued vaccine rollout. So obviously we've got the UK, the US leading in that regard. You've got basically ultra loose uh, monetary policy. So what does that mean in layman's terms? It means you've got low interest rates. You've got continued bond purchase programs and quantitative easing going on in the background. And that's not going to change anytime soon. Now you had the Fed minutes come out now. And basically they guided uh, equity so they guided that um, interest rates, low interest rates are here to stay. And then um, finally, you've got governments on the sidelines ready to provide support. You've got the potential for that $1.9 trillion stimulus package that Biden's tabling to come through. So for me, overall, things are fairly positive right now. Good stuff. I think um, I, was, I was reading a couple of articles last night, Chris, about... Um, Keir Starmer's plans um, in yeah. terms of the the sort of the amount of savings that has been sort of cash savings that's been kept during the uh, pandemic and, and trying to create a, a sort of national savings product that will sort of help build the build the economy and then the conservatives come back said oh well that was our idea stole our idea yeah, yeah. I don't know what your what that's probably one for for you as as well Steve what's your views on that in terms of because obviously there's lots of savings that the you know the the believers. The same amount of savings in, in people's accounts because they haven't been buying. What's the best way out of this in terms of helping the, the recovery? Well, I think the first thing you've got to think about is people's psychology and why they're in cash. And I think people have this, and I don't mean rude to people here, but they have a misconception that cash is a very secure, safe asset, which, you know, okay, it's not an equity and it's not a bond, but it, uh, to have that conception that cash is safety. And I think if you look at what's happened in, obviously we, we saw what happened in markets last March, but then in April, and they, but they recovered. That will have been a shock to a lot of people. So they may have defaulted to cash as well as spending a lot less. So they've built up cash reserves. You've got to inject here the ogre, which is inflation. Now, um, I'm probably and I'm pretty sure the only person on this call that can think back to the 70s and think of when inflation was rife and, and, and things like that. Interesting on that, and just as a bit of an aside, because I know you like me to put some of my fantastic anecdotes in here. Um, I can remember back in, I think it was 76, when uh, potatoes went up um, because of inflation and a potato shortage. We had a, we had a, we had a potato shortage because of a bad crop. And I remember sitting at home with this ridiculous discussion around the table about 
you know, how many bags of chips could the, the, the fish and chip man make out of a sack of potatoes? And rationing that, charging 10p for a bag of chips was absolutely scandalous. Um, yeah, that's an aside and probably not interesting to anybody outside uh, New York that doesn't fish and chips. Um, but no, you've got to look at inflation. And if you look at um, compare inflation with savings rates at the minute, I was looking the other day about what the best savings rates are. Now, you might get some headline rates of two and a bit percent, but it's on a thousand pounds. So you can discount that because it's it's for your first thousand pounds generally you're getting about half percent maximum if you can get a, that kind of rate and you've got inflation all right the government's target's two percent um if you look back at you know, sort of 2010 2011 when it was five percent you know if we're looking at inflation between two and five chris will tell us if there are inflationary pressures coming into the market but even if they stay within the government's target at two percent that's eroding your money so cash is not a safe asset in that in that sense. If you were to keep it in cash for 20 years, you know, you could be losing up to nearly a third of your capital. It's not safe leaving it in cash. You then look at and Lorraine can tell us about the FSCS limits of £85,000. You know, you've got protection on it per institution. But if you've got a balance over that, you really should be taking financial advice to look at what you're doing with your money. Because leaving it in cash is not the safe haven that you might be, you know, not you know, unwittingly to a degree, and that's why you need financial help and financial advice. But if you're leaving it in cash, it's not a safe haven. And inflation, if it does pick up, I don't know if there are massive inflationary pressures, but we have this perfect storm where savings rates are pitiful. Mm. But even inflation within the, the government's target will, will crush your savings. You'll get cash rot on your portfolio if it is wholly in cash. So please, you know, look for advice. Uh, go to an advisor such as Lorraine and, and sort of reach out to us because we can help you with that. Chris, you might want to fill yeah, in a bit on the, I think, the, yeah, 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 talk a little bit about that and, and maybe markets as well in terms of how inflation affects it. Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, obviously we had the UK inflation came out earlier this week, came out at 0.7%. So, you know, Steve mentioned the 2% target there. So it's still much lower than the 2% target. Um, but I guess what's the outlook for that? Well, firstly, inflation will rise this year, and it's a function of the fact that prices created last year. So remember things like the oil price last year actually went negative, which is, is just incredible. So just from a function of the fact that prices fell during the pandemic, you're going to see inflation pick up in the UK. Now, we, we know that that's just a fact. I think you know, just really echoing what, what Steve's saying there is that, you know, it's incredibly difficult time for cash investors. You know, the reality is you've got low interest rates. But that's not going to change. You know, we're not going to see interest rates at 5%. You know, you're not even going to see interest rates at 2.5% in the next five years. You know, the reality is we're in a low interest rate environment, and, and that's the way it's going to stay for, for a long time from now. And what does that mean? It means that you're getting nothing on your cash, and inflation's going to erode that away. Inflation, we know, will get higher. You know, it's below target. The Bank of England, they want it to be at that 2% target. So we know inflation will get higher. We know inflation will get higher because of that cratering of prices last year. So to me, the only way that investors can hit their goals is to be investors and to be invested and to be invested in a diversified solution such as the true potential portfolios. I think, you know, if we look at inflation further out, what is it that we see? And you can get what I describe as good inflation or bad inflation. You know, if you get strong economic growth and inflation, I mean, that's great. That's kind of normal. You know what I mean? That's, that's what you want. 
if you get low economic growth and inflation, then that makes for a very difficult environment overall. Now, what we see for this year is strong economic growth. We see a strong recovery coming through. We see, do see inflation picking up. Uh, if we look further out, which obviously is a little bit more difficult, there's less visibility as you move long term. We don't see inflation getting out of control, but we do see inflation coming much closer to that 2% target overall. So for me, you know, if you're an investor, if you're sitting on cash, the real key message here is that it's going to hurt. You're not going to be able to hit your targets if you stay investing in cash. You have to take some sort of risk. Yeah, I agree, Chris. Brilliant. Thank you. So we'll we'll get on with um, a little bit on about the uh, the topic of the um, podcast today, which is about financial planning. Um, and this financial planning can mean a, a full uh, ream of things. And we'll start with you, Lorraine. And if we just start from Many of our clients will be approaching retirement uh, and thinking about their retirement options um, in terms of what's the best sort of way of taking income, um, taking scheme pensions over annuities, et cetera, these sorts of things. And I suppose from from your experience, Lorraine, how, how do you plan with your clients um, in terms of their, their sort of goals and objectives when it comes to retirement? I think um, it's important to spend quite a bit of time analysing their expenditure in detail and um, and then obviously their expected expenditure in retirement which can be very different and, and talk that through with them um, and once you've got that you, you can uh, calculate capital value uh, as to what they're going to need <coughs> excuse me in retirement so for example um, there are different tools that can be used but a, a rough um, guide might be say 25 times annual expenditure or something like that mm. um, but um, you know by calculating that we can identify any shortfalls so so analyze their statements any other savings ISAs, savings investments and, and existing pensions of course and then that gives us a shortfall yeah I think you you make a valuable point there and it's something that if you've saved all your life in a, in a workplace pension or you've got a, a db pension and you've maybe transferred it or, or something it's you've got to realize that this potentially this pot of money has to to last you for the for the rest of your life um and taking sort of larger withdrawals that aren't sustainable out of your out of your plan can have can have a big effect on your later plan and retirement which is why i think it's really it's really important to i suppose to phase your retirement and understand well how much do i need how much am i spending now Will that be the same in the reti- in retirement, as you said, Lorraine? And I, when we speak to clients, a, a key area is is you don't necess- your your money might not reduce early in retirement. You might find that you might want to do more holidays, or you know, but you might have less time in the uh, in the car, so there's less petrol. So it's, you, you're right. I, I totally uh, agree with you from the expenditure perspective. But it's it's worth speaking to your advisor about this and going through that plan to understand you definitely do have enough money. Um, I think you would agree, and it's not—it's never too late. Um, you know, if you're thinking about retiring in ten years' time, it's never too late to start saving now or putting that little bit extra away. It can make a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Exactly, um, and, and obviously at this time of year, with the um, tax um, year ending fairly soon, then it's important to to speak to your advisor and see whether or not you can top up any existing provision, be it pension or ISA. Yeah. No, I totally agree. And actually, that's a that's a good point. Um, Steve, what's 
you know, this you always get the ISA versus pension question. We've talked about this so much on these podcasts, but allowances are just coming up. I think just give us a little bit on on the importances of actually just sort of taking advantages of these allowances and and, and where's the best place for your money to go and be invested. Um, yeah, you'll have heard on previous podcasts how we bang the drum and I bang the drum about using your allowances. They are, you know, generally, if you don't use them, you lose them. That's not strictly correct across all your pensions. You can, if you get a financial planner, they can help you pick up some previous year's back allowances. But generally, use them or lose them. And there's, there's losing what you have now, but also as keying into Chris's point, the government have borrowed a lot of money. I think it said last month they borrowed 8.8 .8 billion, which to the likes of us probably have no idea what that means. You know, it just seems a heck of a lot of money. However, you just realise that they're borrowing so much money, quite rightly or wrongly, however you look at it, but they're going to have to pay it back. And equally, these allowances are very you know, favourable at the minute. So if you're not using them, they're not going to get any better. They're not going to get any you know, more beneficial. Uh, they're probably going to start squeezing pension allowances. That's always a rumour, but it would be a natural kind of attack. So use them. So, you, you know, for me, pension versus ISA is a, is, a, is a moot point in the sense that for me, I would always go pension first because you're getting you're getting actually a, a tax uh, rebate to go in, if you like, whatever you call it. You know, if someone was to say to me, if you invest in this pension, you know, you could have up to a 45 percent, you know, kicker in your first year. I've been, well, that just seems too good to be true. Well, talk to a financial advisor. You know, you could get 20, 40, 45 percent in your first year just by way of the tax relief. It's, it's an absolute crime if you miss it, everybody. Using ISAs then, you know, you're growing in a tax-free, almost tax-free environment uh, and at the end, you know, you've got so you can take your money out. You should be looking at these two allowances and getting advice on them if you need them. If you've already done them before and you haven't topped up, then please, we all forget to do things, um, but just write a memo. I use my little book here, do your allowances, but don't forget the tax year ends on the you know, 5th of, uh, of April. Time's running out, get on and do them and, and, and talk to your advisor about all your unused reliefs, even CGT. You know, CGT is always in the news. That, that's not going to get in more favourable because it's perceived as the, you know, the, the tax relief of the rich. But, you know, you've got a tax um, allowance there, husband and wife. Um, you might have some stocks in a, in a share portfolio, for example, where you can utilise your allowance to get them into a more diversified, you know, less risky, more you know, sleep at night type environment like our TPP portfolios. So um, there's quite a lot to think about when looking at your tax allowances. So if you've never used them before, please consult the financial advisor. If you need to top up, consult your financial advisor. They may tell you a very easy way of doing it, or you might need to take some advice. But um, sorry, Louis, I'm, I'm probably always moving into your territory, but um, it just seems a crime not to use your tax allowances um, at this stage, and particularly this year, is what I'm thinking. Yeah, definitely. Totally agree, Steve. Um, Steve, just while we're on you as well, I think it's you obviously you look after a large number of advisors within wealth management as your role as managing partner of, of True Potential Wealth Management. What, how, how important is it to seek an advisor, uh, especially when it comes to planning, um, you know, planning your financial, your sort of your financial arrangements, whether it is coming from starting or, or retirement? For me, Jamie, and everyone will say, oh, of course you'd say this. I'm I'm not a qualified financial advisor. I in the past I have been, but it's it's lapped and moved on. So you know, financial advice has evolved. However, I work with you know 700 of them, such as Lorraine. It's crucial, I think, if you've got uh, tax matters or you've got investment questions or we talked about allowances, you should reach out and talk to your financial advisor. If you haven't got one, contact us and we'll put you in touch with one. If you have one, then reach out and take them because you make a little error 
and you miss some tax advice, you know, you miss a tax allowance or, you know, you go down the wrong route, uh, it can cost you in the future. And as we sort of tie it back to saving for our retirement or saving for whatever goal, you know, we have, then getting it right, getting the structure of your investments uh, and portfolios and protection, everyone, let's not kid ourselves, you know, financial advice covers a whole multitude of, uh, of sort of, uh, the whole, you know, uh, broad spectrum but you should talk to your advisor they can make sure you're not making those mistakes early on um, and it, you know I think people often think oh, it'll cost me a fortune it won't you know it's money well spent whatever it costs you but it doesn't cost a fortune I mean often you'll get your first consultation you know at a very competitive rate but reach out and take it because it's like building a house if you haven't got the foundations right it will fall down uh, so reach out and talk to your financial advisor and come to us if you you know if you haven't got one we can make sure that we're putting you in touch with the right people great yeah, thanks. just just jumping in there steve i think for me you know it's very much around peace of mind as well mm. you know the reality is is that you know we're all in control of our own destiny now you know the reality is is that we all need to understand our own individual financial situations and we need to understand how and when we can retire what our expectations are and whether those expectations are realistic. And I think unless you do actually sit down with an advisor, then you're not going to get that information. You know, the reality is everyone's circumstances are personal to them. So that means, you know, you could try a kind of a robo advisor or something like that. But the reality is, is that, you know, that's too general. You know, what you need is someone, you know, as Lorraine was saying, you know, looking through your own personal expenditure, you know, looking through your expectations. You know, do you want a Lamborghini in retirement? You know, is that is that realistic? Um, you know, you need someone there to help you. But I also think you need someone to have an honest conversation with you as well and actually potentially to talk you down and say, well, look, you know, unless you save a lot more money, then the reality is, is that you may not get exactly what you want in retirement. And I think that's where kind of face-to-face -face personal advice really shines through. I think if I can add to that, and if there's nothing that needs to be done, the advisor will tell you that. Mm -hmm. And therefore you've had free advice. Um, they've explained what can be done and there's no shortfall. But in my experience, very few people are in that position. And and I could add, the sooner you talk to someone, the better. It's never it's never too late, but the sooner the better. Mm. I think that's a, a valid point. Anyway, and how do you, um, as as an advisor, how do you sort of sort of peel out them objectives from clients of, of what they want to achieve, so you can set that financial plan? Well, I say a lot of it is down to the um, initial. Um, discussion around expenditure and, and what they want to do mm -hmm. um, but forewarned is forearmed isn't it and, and you need to understand what actually the capital value is of mm -hmm. your goal um, and then what perhaps the consequence and what may you have to forego if you don't actually have sufficient income in retirement mm -hmm. um, I could also add that Steve mentioned capital gains tax, um, which is an important allowance many people overlook. Uh, and there's also the use of spouses um, transfer of capital between spouses that's exempt, many people overlook. Uh, so it, it's better to speak to someone and at least do an annual review. I think that's, that's so important. Yeah, agree, agree. 
And we'll we'll slightly just, you know, going into the subject uh, to you, Lorraine, just changing it slightly. You mentioned right at the start of the um, session that you used to work um, as a as a business with businesses in terms of giving financial advice. And I, I'm aware you still have some clients and, and work with business owners. Um, can you just tell me a little bit about sort of how you sort of do from from a financial plan for someone, in, you know, from a business perspective? Absolutely. Um, yeah, the, it's largely dependent on um, if, if we're talking about protection needs, then mm -hmm. clearly that's a different subject mm -hmm. regarding uh, what happens if a shareholder were to pass mm -hmm. away, etc. And, and what position would the business be in? And, and more importantly, the remaining shareholders. Mm -hmm. But in terms of investment, then if, if the company has got laden with cash and, and retained profits, then um, it largely depends on whether or not the capital needs to be retained within the company. Mm. For example, if they've got future plans to purchase more machinery, um, premises to a degree, but that can be done in two directions. But nevertheless, if, if the capital needs to be retained within the company, then it's, it's a discussion around what their obje objectives are and the time frame for investment. Um, so... If not, then in my experience, mostly direct shareholders are quite interested in extracting profits tax efficiently. Mm -hmm. So, for example, into pensions like a company SAS or in fact SIPs or personal pensions. Then it, if that's the objective of most of the family businesses and, and the corporates that I've worked with in the past, because we're all in business to make money. I mean, that's the reason for it. So if you can extract those profits tax efficiently, the company can get corporation tax relief from that, and there's no taxation for the individual directors, um, then that's a good outcome for most of the businesses that I come across. It's, it's this time of year, we see uh, an increase in employer contributions just before tax year end in terms of accountants sort of um, advising, you know, in terms of getting funds out of the business and, and a efficient way of doing that is is paying into your, into your pension. So it's quite a common thing that we, we definitely see. And just flipping over to you then, Kristen, so talking about um, sort of retirement planning, you, you have the the option of, of income funds versus accumulation funds. Um, can you just tell us a little bit about, uh, we've spoken about these before, but I think it's worth re-echoing what they are and, and why you potentially would go into one versus the other. Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, basically when you look at an investment and you look at something called the, the total return, it's basically a function of, of two different things. So the capital value, but also the income side of things. So I'll, I'll make it really simplistic. Imagine if you just held um, a number of shares in a certain company. You know, how do you make, how do you, does that share price get bigger? How does your total pot get bigger? Well, it could be that you know, the company does well and the share price increases that way, or it could be that they pay you a dividend overall and you get income from that. You know, if you think of a dividend a bit like, it's a little bit like, say, interest on a bank account in some ways. Um, and what you get is we have here at TP a choice of what I describe as income portfolios or non-income portfolios. Now, if you have someone who is looking to take an income, you know, let's say, you know, they're in drawdown, let's say that they 
use their investment to live off. You know, they want, I don't know, a thousand pounds a month, five thousand pounds a month, something like that. Then there's two ways that they can facilitate that with true potential. So firstly, they could take a natural income through our income portfolios, or what they could do is they could sell units and hold a non-income portfolio. Now, the reality is in, in some ways it's down to client preference and it's down to you know, really what they like overall. Um, but what I would say is if you have a large need for income, then an income portfolio is a good way of basically avoiding something called sequencing risk. Now, sequencing risk is basically where you're selling units in a falling market and it's very difficult to make that money back up, make that capital value back up. But obviously with an income portfolio, you don't need to sell units. So you don't need to touch that capital overall. So for me, I think, you know, someone has a, in some ways, someone has a, a kind of big need for income. I'd always recommend an income portfolio. Um, but again, it's, it's client preference. It's what clients like. And different assets produce more income than others. Um, you know, for example, a UK, sorry, an income portfolio potentially may have a little bit more of a UK skew. The UK is the, the highest yielding region right now. Um, so you just got to think about that when you're looking at the portfolios overall. But yeah, if someone needs an income, then I'd always recommend an income portfolio. Brilliant. I think that's uh, uh, important as well. Um, Steve, I'm just going to just come over to you and uh, just ask a, a question on the fly. You, you experience with it, obviously lockdown, we're hoping it's going to end soon, um, you know, in the next few months, who knows. Um, how, how have the advisors found this out in terms of um, of working with clients in this this very different way? And I'll pass, once you finish, I'll ask Lorraine the same question of, of not being able to go and see clients. What's it, what's it been like? So you lost me, Jim, and then and Lorraine will validate then what I say or not. Yeah, so basically. Yeah, it goes. <laughs> um, let's cast our minds back one year, which seems a long time ago, doesn't it? Um, even though it's Groundhog Day, this look, I sit here every day, look out that window. I move around the house, different rooms to was, try, you know. I was wondering if that was the doghouse uh, for you, Steve, uh, behind you. Not yet. If she finds me in the tree with my chainsaw this weekend, when she comes home from work, I'll be in the doghouse. <laughs> Unless I've chopped my arm off, then I'll be in the hospital. But um, no, uh, it, cast your mind back a year to sort of February last year. We had the we had the rumblings. COVID was building up, and it was sort of what none of us could believe, kind of what we might have to do it was it was an unreal kind of scenario we were preparing for that behind the scenes we we kind of as it sort of canted into february particularly we realized something was happening and um, the beauty we have is we have a very strong technology base which you know if you're all our clients you'll be aware of it and um, so we you know it was really going to be tested We've, we felt this was coming now and our reliance on a you know high quality tech base was going to be tested so we positioned accordingly we we made sure all our communication lines were open with the advisors and our clients we started a whole series of planning for sort of webcasts like this and you know one-to-ones on the phone uh, so when it, and also making all our staff work remotely that was quite interesting that you know you're all going to be working from home which probably sounded rather exciting for the first week and then you get you know podcast 56 in and uh, it's still very exciting, as we can all tell. Um, so, you know, we were preparing behind the scenes, but we were we were really lucky in the sense that we didn't have we we had to we have built some other things, but we didn't generally have to build the core of what we were offering. So when it happened, and Boris stood up on that Monday night and said, "Right, I'll go home," um, we were ready and positioned. And you know, we had a few teething problems. You know, it's like all the parodies you've seen, not quite hand for parish council we haven't had many of those meetings you're not you've got no authority on this site Lorraine um, but you have today um, 
we, we didn't have any of that kind of stupidity, but um, we were ready. And, you know, once we got through the few teething problems of people being on mute, it has worked really well. Um, it's worked so well that you think, why are we ever going to go back in the office? But we'll deal with that at a different time. It's worked really well because we've got, as I say, that core of technology that serves our clients so they can serve themselves online with an advisor in the background. We can talk to our clients and our advisors. Um, it, it has worked really well going, you know, going through the year. Um, we've learned from it. We've we've amended a lot of our processes and built other things. You know, in times of of war, um, research and development uh, canter along. So some of our functions we've we've really improved and built on. Um, a lot of our client facing technology we've we've refreshed and our advisor facing re, uh, technology we've rebuilt. So it's been a really interesting year. But in a nutshell, and I'll stop rabbiting on, um, it's worked a lot better than you could have imagined in to the degree that we have had a record year a record year um you know and, and we've kept all our investments going the team meet online every day and and um, you know it's it's been really interesting we've learned a lot um but thankfully just by having those lines of communication which are really crucial when things are going well people generally aren't that fussed about talking to you they've got better things to do when they get a little bit frightened it's crucial that they have you know, they know how to contact you. You're being proactive in contacting them. And that was the same for our advisors and, and our clients. So we're really pleased with the way it's gone. Um, but I'd still, I'm still, I'm ready to go back in the office some days a week because I do miss a bit of human contact. My wife's gone to work, so she can't hear that. So that's fine. Um, <laughs> the kind of human contact I get from her is often the clip around the ear. But um, yeah, that, that, that's my take on where we've been with this this odd, horrible year. Lorraine, is there any truth in that? You're seeing it from a different perspective, but hey, maybe what, I'm wrong. What's the question again? No, I'm going to go. I really miss the people. I have um, my clients, and many of them I've had for 15, 20 years. So, genuinely like all of my clients, and I, and I love the job. So, I really miss that social interaction with clients. And um, but we get by, um, as you say, we're in the right place, the true potential, we've got the technology, we've got the systems to facilitate remote um, reviews, etc. cetera. Um, I, I think the one area where it's proved more difficult, I think, is, is gathering new clients, mm. simply because I personally do like to meet people um, mm. when I'm doing business, I think that's important. But again, we, we've, got by and we've, we've managed with the technology, Zoom and etc. And, and Teams, which we're on now, although I've never used this one before, which is why I had a problem logging in this morning. But, um, but yeah, Zoom's worked fine. I think if, if you keep in touch with clients regularly anyway, which I, I think is important, then clients don't fret so much and don't worry so much and um, they know I'm always around. So. I think all good advisors will say the same. You just need to keep in touch with people and know that the door's always open. They can ring you or contact you. Yeah, yeah. I agree, Lorraine. I think transparency is the key and, and, and having your website, having access to your advisor, being able to discuss with them, that's, that's definitely a key area. It's I, when I, I also I spoke to an advisor at the, in the middle of this week who said it's very similar to yourself ongoing servicing with clients is fine online and you, you're kind of used to that although you, although you miss that social contact with people but fine, but with new clients you sometimes do just like to sort of get to know them a little bit with that face-to-face 
but unfortunately he says but unfortunately he has had to just get on with it and he's you know I've, I've personally advised three clients i've never met before um online and yes. so you definitely can do it it's just a little bit different isn't it and then sometimes you do want to um get you know you get to know the client and then they get to know you and trust you because it's a very you know it's a it's a trust trusting job because you're dealing with their money um so it is really important brilliant um i think we'll we'll wrap that up we've had some really good content there i'm, I'm laughing in surprise surprise man steve i don't know why but um but, yeah, i don't know why jimmy either why, why is that is that yeah i'm not you sure don't think I'm funny or? no I, I think you're very funny steve funny funny looking but no very funny as <laughs> at the same time <laughs> right well we'll we'll finish off and i mean actually we'll ask uh lorraine did you score any score any goals for england when you played for them uh no i don't think i did actually um i can't recall any i'm sure i don't remember if i had <laughs> steve did you score any goals for england schoolboys? no i don't remember i, I, I don't remember oh. um, i probably didn't jimmy <laughs> i'm like lorraine I'd, we're from yorkshire we'd remember if we had <laughs> and other people would know about it we're yeah. not out over the halfway line. No. No, exactly. <laughs> and, and Chris, you haven't got any caps for England on lasagna making or something like that, have you? <laughs> um, I, yeah, if you ever see me play football, it's it's definitely not my best skill. That way. <laughs> so there's definitively no goals. Jimmy Never Frank, mind Chris. for England, there's just no goals anyway. <laughs> I, I didn't have my glasses on, but for most of this podcast, I thought Bobby Charlton was on with us, but... <laughs> I haven't got the little strands though, have I? That's the thing. I'll let them. I'll grow them for you though. <laughs> well, well, we'll finish off. So we're, the obviously the lockdowns. Hopefully, hopefully Boris is going to announce them on Monday where we're seeing some light at the end of the tunnel. That the vaccine numbers have been fantastic. Um, I think with 16 million now. Um, I'm due mine next week. Hopefully, touch wood. Um, but what's the what's the first? I'll start with you, Lorraine. What's the first thing you're going to do when you can get back to normality? Oh, a uh, nice long walk in Derbyshire, the Peak District, and a pub lunch. Yeah, oh, that sounds that sounds good. Mr. Hutton, um, there's a little pub in Keighley called the Bolt Makers Arms, Jamie, and it's like someone's front room, but it's the tap room of Timothy Taylor's. And I'm not going to let on around here, but I'm going to go sit there with a newspaper, a print copy, not something on a I mean, screen. And I'm going to have a couple of pints and just uh, just be in touch with myself, as it were, with a pint or two. Fantastic. And Chris? Probably missing two things. Um, I mean, I'm missing the pub. And I think definitely uh, as soon as the pub opens, I'll, I'll do exactly what Lorraine and Steve said. Go enjoy a few pints, a nice meal something that's not home cooked, which would be great. Um, and I'm also, I really like to go on holiday as well. You know, go get some sun, relax, have some nice drinks, lie on the beach, nice food, swim in the sea, just relax. I think it would be fantastic. What are you going to do, Jamie? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I was, I was talking about this. I would just, I would like to go on holiday. I've obviously got the little one. I want to get him on a, I thought when when we first sort of fell pregnant, I thought, great, I'll get him on a plane straight away um, to get used to it. But he's he's at the point now where he's starting to wriggle and move, um, and he's turning over and potentially starting to crawl. So that's going to be uh, you'll have experience of this, but <laughs> that'll be interesting on a plane uh, with a little one. That's that's my plans, but I'll have to challenge the big challenge. Do a film about that, Jamie. Let's think we could call it what Snakes on a Plane or something. <laughs> 
<laughs> the worst film ever made, Steve. I've never seen it. It's terrible. It's terrible. All right, brilliant. Thank you, everyone. Um, I think that was a, a fantastic session today. So uh, thanks, Chris. Thanks, Lorraine. Uh, appreciate you coming on for us today. And uh, thanks, Steve. Um, we'll end that there. As I said before, please um, like, subscribe, um, give us any comments um, on in the comment box, positive, hopefully. Uh, but thank you very much, everyone. Hope you have a, a great weekend. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for watching. If you enjoyed this video, please leave a like and don't forget to subscribe to the True Potential YouTube channel. If you have any questions or requests for future videos, let us know in the comments.